Good morning. Welcome to Belleville First Church of the Nazarene. We are excited up here. We have some new tools to work with. There's a new soundboard in the back. And you'll see that I'm on a cord here. We have some in-ear monitors. So thank you guys for uh, bearing with us as we work with these new tools. <laughs> uh, this is our first voyage with them here. But please stand and worship with us this morning. to the Lord, our God and King. His love endures forever. For He is good, He is above all things. His love endures forever. Sing praise. Sing praise. With a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, His love endures forever. The life that's been reborn, His love endures forever. Sing praise, sing praise, sing praise, sing praise. Forever God is faithful, forever God is strong. Good morning, Belleville First. All right. Love the enthusiasm. Good morning. Good morning. Happy Sunday. It's nice to see you all this morning. And if you're joining us online this morning, we say welcome. We are delighted that you are also joining us today. Just a few announcements to bring your attention to before we continue in our worship. As we have been doing for the last uh, several weeks, our prayer and Bible study, which meets on Tuesday evenings at 630, will continue to do so online only. So if you can join us for that, please do so. 6.30 on Tuesday evening, online only. Our baby bottle campaign for uh, is also continuing for Mosaic. If you've not picked up your baby bottle, we still have some in the, in the foyer there, so please do that. Throw your spare change in there, and then we'll bring those back uh, in uh, later this month and into February. So please pick up your baby bottle on, on your way out if if uh, we, uh, if you have not yet done that. And then the last thing, just to uh, let you all know about, uh, Pastor Nicole and the, her family, the Cotton family, 
and their arrival, uh, they did find a house in Belleville that they, uh, they will be renting for the time being. Their plans are to eventually buy a home here in the area, but until they know where they want to, to live and, and settle, then they are, they're going to be renting a house in, in Belleville. They're planning to make the physical move uh, on January 25th, 26th. That's a Monday, a Tuesday. January 25th, uh, load up the truck and move to Beverly. Nope, that's wrong. That's, that's not right. <laughs> uh, load up the truck. Two men in a truck? Is that what it's called? Two, two men and a baby? That's a movie. <laughs> two men in a truck, I think, is going to help them with their move and will help them unload. Don't know if we, they will need any help on the 26th, that Tuesday morning or not. So we will communicate with you if, if uh, more hands are needed as they unload and, and settle here uh, in, in, in Belleville. That'll be on the 26th. Uh, their first Sunday with us is uh, the 31st. So what is that, three weeks out? Three weeks from today will be the first Sunday that Pastor Nicole and, and Bo and their family will be with us. Uh, our district superintendent, Pastor uh, Terry Armstrong, will also be with us that morning uh, to install Pastor Nicole as uh, the pastor here at Belleville First. So exciting days ahead. Exciting days ahead. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Amen. And if you're online worshiping with, with us this morning, we again, we welcome you. And let's continue our, our praise this morning. Dwight. Let us go to board in prayer. It's cold outside. There's snow flurries, Lord. The news continues to be problematic. The world is continuing to be the world and showing that it is in rebellion against you. Inside this room, may it be different. May we recognize that we are in your presence and that we're here together, that we have come for one purpose and that is to glorify you in our worship. Use all the aspects of our worship. And for those who are joining us, Online, we pray that they will have a sense that they are here and not where they are, in the sense that we are all together before you. So we give you the praise and the glory for what we will share together this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to read from Proverbs 16. I'm sorry, we may have new equipment, but you still got the same old gray-headed guy, okay? And the cottons are from too far south for the Beverly Hillbillies reference. I mean, those of us from the Boston Mountains, a little further north, we know what hillbillies really are, okay? So they're too far south. Would you follow along as we read from Proverbs 16? And we're going to read the first nine verses. The plans of the mind belong to mortals, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All one's ways may be pure in one's own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked, for the day of trouble. All those who are arrogant are an abomination to the Lord. Be assured they will not go unpunished. By loyalty and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for. And by the fear of the Lord, one avoids evil. When the ways of people please the Lord, he causes even their enemies to be at peace with them. Better is a little with righteousness than large income with injustice. 
The human mind plans the way, but the Lord directs the steps. This is God's word for us this morning. Praise the Lord. Please stand and continue worshiping with us this morning. say I am rich in him. Let the lost man say I am found in him. for those who were able to participate yesterday's and yesterday morning's prayer vigil, uh, both here in the sanctuary and from your home. Um, we prayed through many issues, and it's a reminder to us that we have to be in conversation with our Father. We have to share what's on our hearts. What are the things that we are concerned about? But then we have to listen. So this morning, 
as I lead us in prayer. Share what's on your heart. Pray with me. But let us all listen. Do you believe that he will speak to you? Do? Then listen. Let's pray. Come now, Father, as your children, we need guidance because we don't always know the way. It's easy for us to get lost in the shuffle of life. We can lose track of our purpose. We can even lose track of what's important. So, Father, we are your children, and you need to, you need to keep up with us because we, we can get lost. Lord, we also, as children, need your protection. We live in a dangerous world. We live in a place where people try to get us to think and believe things we shouldn't, to pay attention to messages that we shouldn't. Lord, we need to be protected from all of those things that Satan will use to trip us up and to distract us and to weaken our ability to represent you. So we need your protection, Lord. We need your forgiveness because all these things we've done, we've gotten lost. We've sinned because we're afraid or because we're angry or because we're just rebellious. We need your forgiveness and we need to know it. We need to feel it. We need to share it with others because we receive it. We're your children, Lord, and we need to experience forgiveness both from you and towards others. But like every child, we need to know that we're loved. Help us to push out those messages that tell us we're not loved, that we're not worthy. That tell us you really didn't come and take flesh and die for us. Help us to push all those things aside and rest secured. Just like a small child on one of these cold winter nights in front of a fireplace and the child's Father's arms. Help us rest assured. So this day, Father, we are your children. We need many things from you. But these are the ones we bring. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand and continue to worship with us this morning.
Before you sit down, wave. Not at me, at each other. Say hi. Anybody you don't recognize behind the mask? Say, I got here this morning before the the furnace started to the thermostat started to kick up. They do that automatically. And it was just a bit chilly in here. So I want to make sure that we're we're as warm as we can be. I think it's comfortable in here. Uh, it was a good thing yesterday we only prayed for 15 minutes because it was too chilly to stay much longer than that. So are you warm? Then you can be seated. No, no reason to do calisthenics or anything else. Well, we're going to continue in Philippians. Our text this morning is from the second chapter, uh, the first five verses. You know it. But let's see if we can't hear something new from it today. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the Spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interest, but to the interest of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. I gave you a little bit of information last week about Philippi, and I need to give you a little bit more. It, it, it becomes increasingly important as we work our way through this book, um, and so we'll learn a little bit more next week, but I want, to, I want you to know that Philippi was a Roman colony. We talked about how it was settled and some of its history, but 
by being a Roman colony, its citizens were Romans. And Romans thought they were special people. Maybe they were, but they made sure you knew it. At least that's what I've read about Romans. I've only, I mean, I was, Brenda and I did visit Rome on our way to Africa, um, but they weren't Romans then, they were Italians. So I don't know if it's the same. Those folks were really nice. When Paul and his people arrived, they came into this Roman community. But one whose cultural influences went back thousands of years to tribal communities that had come out of Central Asia. And they found a city that was a regional center populated by people of all religious persuasions. They found soothsayers. They found Jews. They found God-believers. And they found those worshiping an assortment of idols. And when they ran afoul of a soothsaying group, because Paul cast the demon out of their slave girl and she could no longer make money for them, they found themselves in prison. Well, you know the story, don't you? The jailer and his family got converted. They met Jesus. And it was also discovered that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens. They were special people too. So the next morning, they were released from jail Ask if they would beat a path to the nearest gate and leave town. But it was done publicly at Paul's request. Now, we established last week that there was a personal and deep, strong relationship between Paul and this congregation at Philippi. But there's clearly some problems. It isn't, this letter isn't just a thank you letter to some donors. It isn't even just a catch-up note. There's some stuff going on. And students of the letter to the Philippians are divided on what those things were. But in the first two chapters, most of them agree that it was something that was causing petty divisions in the congregation. It was causing people to to act just kind of snooty with each other. Some think it was a disagreement over the relative value of spiritual gifts. And that they were fussing with each other about who had been blessed most by the Holy Spirit. Or it could have been just of almost anything. I told you the worst church split I ever saw was over curtains in the parlor. Church folks can fight over fighting. The the Philippians weren't any different. They were just fussing. Now, if you want a really good fight, come back next week. In chapter 3, we get Paul takes the gloves off. Spiritually superior people. You've never met anybody that thought that, did you? Now, our text comes right in the middle of the section that deals with these things. It goes back to where we left off last week in chapter 1, verse 27, and it'll go on, it goes on past this, as I'm sure you expect. And so you need to understand that this idea of citizenship is what's behind. Paul's telling them to stand firm, stand side by side. As a loving pastor, Paul is just kind of working his way in. And he's he's not calling anybody out. He's not making some folks feel 
you know, like they're doing a better job than anybody. He's just addressing the group with a common problem and doing it with very soft words. But he is about, in this passage we've read, he is about to kind of get a hook in there that they don't see coming. You see, the assumption can be that, that Paul and these people had such a good relationship that they cared what he thought about them. And if he was disappointed in them, that might make a difference. So I want you to to muster, do your best job to muster up a spirit of remorse and repentance over just being silly with each other. And hear these words again. Hear them going back into this chapter and hear what Paul writes. Only live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel. 127 is where I went back to. Worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or am absent and hear about you, I will know that you are standing firm in one spirit, striving side by side with one mind for the faith of the gospel and are in no way intimidated by your opponents. For them it is evidence of their destruction but of, of your salvation. And this is God's doing. For he has graciously granted the privilege not only of believing in Christ, but of suffering for him as well. Since you are having the same struggle that you saw that I had, and now hear that I still have. If then, with all of that, if then there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the Spirit, any compassion be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accordance of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. Humility, regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interest, but the interest of others. Now, this, uh, the church in Philippi isn't the only petty church that Paul had to deal with. He writes almost the same thing in 1 Corinthians, the 10th verse of the first chapter. Now I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you be in agreement and that there be no divisions among you, and that you be united in the same mind and the same purpose. So here in verse 2, Paul states for them what are obvious truths. Do you ever have anybody talk to you about things you know you already know and realize the reason they're doing it is because they don't see it in you? That's what Paul's doing. I mean, he starts out and says, if the fact that Jesus came and lived and died for us makes any difference, well, of course it does. But that's how he says it. If there be any consolation in encouragement in Christ. <clears throat> now, and this is why some of folks think it could have been a fight over the Holy Spirit because the word encouragement that he uses there is paraclete. A derivative of the same word that is used to designate the Holy Spirit. So he's asking them, what is the fact of Christ meant to you? So I'll ask you the same question. What evidence is there in your life that Christ lived, was crucified, and rose again? Surely somewhere along the road you've heard some preacher at one time or another asked you if there if you were on trial for being a Christian, was there be enough evidence to convict you? You've heard that, haven't you? I'm not the only old person in this room. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. Someone who has spent a long time in, in the fellowship of 
of the church, okay? Second thing, and it's still in the same verse. Has love provided any incentive for your living? That's what he asked. Has love provided any incentive for your living? Has the love of the Lord and the love of each other provided this incentive? Do you are loved? You should know that. You should experience it. You should, you should relish it. You are loved. There's no question about that. And it, this is something you need to know deep down, down in the, in the sub-regions of your conscience. If you doubt that you are loved, truly loved, we need to find out what it will take to demonstrate that fact. Unloved people, people who don't feel loved, valued, do a lot of foolish and silly and sometimes dangerous things. Now, third in this verse, he reminds us that we in the church are junior partners. I never thought I'd end up my life as a businessman, but I'm a partner in a couple businesses in Africa. They're not very good ones, so that shows you what kind of businessmen we are. But I'm a partner. I'm a full partner. I'm not a junior partner. I get a voice in what, what's being said. But that's not what happens here. Look at it in verse 2. If there's any sharing in the Spirit, you and I are in this fellowship because the Spirit brought us. The Spirit introduced us. The Spirit wooed us, and we said yes. We're the junior partners. We shouldn't forget that. The Holy Spirit is the senior partner. But all partners, whether they're junior or senior, are invested in and work towards the same outcomes. We're not in this venture on our own. We are to live a life worthy of Christ. We're not merely bystanders either. We don't get to sit in the bleachers and yell at the players on the field. We're in the field. So what Paul is really asking these people is, what's your level of participation in this joint venture in which we are engaged? Finally, Paul reminds them that they live with an affectionate sympathy. That's, it, it, those are two words that, that are hard to translate. It's, it, it's kind of one of these images of piling, that pile on each other. That the, we, we think that one you know, should be describing the other, but they're both describing the same thing. In Galatians, Paul writes it this way. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Now, in our Western mind, we want to slice and dice those things and, and, and define them. No, they define us. They're different aspects. They're different faces. On the diamond, they're all required. So, if Paul's opinion was held in value by these people, which it probably was, what do you think it means when they hear that Paul's only partially pleased with them? You missed that? Well, look at it. It's right there. It's right there in, in verse 2. Make my joy complete. Men, do your ears kind of perk up when your wife says, if you really want to make me happy. Does that get your attention? The few times it didn't, I learned I should have, it should have. That's what Paul's doing here. Make my joy 
complete. You know, you, some, and, and we can't if we're looking at each other. If we're judging our level of faith and our closeness to God by looking at each other, well, we're like the two guys in the woods who run into a bear. You know this story. One guy is terribly frightened, and he turns to his partner, and he says, I don't think I can outrun this bear. And the guy says, don't worry. I think I can outrun you. That's not the way it works. A church is not a place for us to compare ourselves with each other, and that's very likely what was happening in Philippians, among the Philippian church. And that's it. That's the kernel. That's the reason we've come here this day. This is the heart of the matter, and it continues in verse 5. Hear it. This is possibly the... The most beautiful, it's debated whether or not Paul even wrote this. This was very likely a hymn. And it was, uh, if, so if Paul wrote it for here, it got picked up in other places, or it could have been one of those hymns that just needed to be quoted because it said exactly what the church needed to hear. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who thought he was in, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Nowhere does the fact of Christ get explained more succinctly? For Paul, this is the gospel. The gospel is made up of this simple thing. Jesus left heaven. He took flesh. He ministered. He died for us on the cross. And God rose him from the dead. God raised him. Don't want you to think badly of my English teachers. God raised him from the dead. That's the gospel. If you believe that, then you're in the church. You're part of the body of Christ. That's it. I can't give you any other litmus test. But if we want to make Paul's joy complete, then we have to have the mind of Christ. And what is that mind? That mind is what he described before he went on and told us about, about what Jesus. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. But each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interest of others. That is not American. I was raised to be competitive. I was raised to take care of myself. The myth that drove and shaped my personality was that I needed to do it on my own and do it better than you. How else was I going to make the team get the grades? Christian community is not a place where those values bear any importance. Let, 
You want to make my joy complete? Let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. And if that's not our, if, if that's not what unifies us, if that's not what holds us together, if that's not what gives us our identity, then we're wasting our time. Because I don't care what we say to the world. I don't care how we try to tell them to live. We are going to come up short. So you see, Paul has been kind of quietly working his way around these things. But now he has made it clear that junior partners are expected to live up to the standard set by the most senior partner. And that's the way we create a Christ-like community to provide a living witness. A living witness of the continuing presence of the gospel. So look at verse 14. Well, I'm sorry. Paul begins to push in, in, in verse 12. Therefore, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. We are partners in this working out, and we are expected. Now, this is not, a, this is not me figuring out how to be saved as an individual. This is us as a church. We are to work out our own salvation. How? By putting the interests of each other ahead of our own. By putting the interest of each other ahead of our own. It's not an option. It's not something we can do on Tuesdays and Thursdays and ignore on the other days of the week. Paul is pretty clear here. And if you and I don't work it out, who will? Fourteen? It gets harder. Do all things without murmuring and arguing, so that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation in which you shine like stars in the world. It is by your holding fast to the word of life that I can boast on the day of Christ that I did not run in vain or labor in vain, but even if I am being poured out as a libation over the sac sacrifice and the offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. And in the same way, you also must be glad and rejoice with me. Paul got forceful. I want to get presumptive. I want to speak to you this morning on behalf of former pastors, Sunday school teachers, children's ministers, youth ministers, people who have invested in your spiritual development and well-being. On their behalf, I want to ask, because this is what they want to say to you, are you making my joy complete? I also want to speak to you on behalf of parents, grandparents, aunts and uncles, people in the community who prayed for you, who spent hours praying for you, that you would grow up to be Christ-like. They want to ask you a question. Have you made my joy complete? Because Paul said the only way he was going to be able to be able to boast about anything was that the, 
the Philippian Christians would be faithful on the day of judgment. That if, if they didn't get delivered there, he would have nothing to show for that he had done anything. Years ago, I came to the conclusion that so many churches are stuck with church buildings that they don't need, that are bigger than they'll ever use, is because pastors get tired of not being able to see anything consequential of their work. And they build a building to feel good about themselves. Ought not to be. Because you see, the only way we, any of us, will have anything to say we ran the race, we fought the good fight, we won the prize, is if we get there together. It is by your holding fast to the word of life that I can boast on the day of Christ. What are you going to boast about? Now I know we're supposed to be humble. But what are you going to boast about? You think the Lord's interested in hearing how you were right? That if they had only followed, the church had only listened to you, it would have been done the right way? Pastor Nicole told me that she prayed long about coming here because she wasn't certain that the vote was strong enough. But she prayed and the Lord led her to do it. And now I got news for you. Are we in this together? I don't care how you voted. Some of us voted for and some of us voted against her. So what? What are you going to have to boast about? That we built each other up in Christ. That the mind of Christ is in us. And that the world saw it. That's our witness. Let's pray. We come, Lord, knowing that we need as junior partners the example of Jesus and the empowering of the Spirit, our senior partners. Lord, we want to be able to boast about the life you've created in us. We want to share that life with others. May we live like that's what we want to do. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay. Let's sing. We're going to sing, uh, Give Us Clean Hands as we prepare for communion this morning. Please stand and worship with us. Bow our 
Spirit, come make us humble. We turn our eyes from evil things. Oh Lord, we cast down our idols. So give us clean hands, give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. Give us clean hands, give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. No, God, let us be a generation that seeks, that seeks your face, oh God of Jacob. No, God, let us be a generation that seeks, that seeks your face, oh God of Jacob. So give us clean hands, give us pure hearts, let us not lift our souls to another, give us clean hands. Give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. And oh God, let us be a generation that seeks, that seeks your face. Oh God of Jacob, and oh God, let us be a generation that seeks, that seeks your face. Give us clean hands, give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. Give us clean hands, give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. You may be seated. We've been fortunate today to be worshiping with the Belleville Spanish congregation as well. And Pastor David is going to be doing communion with us this morning. Good morning. It should be. I think it's fine. Good morning. That's a good way to start this 2021 in the table of the Lord. And um, who can participate to this uh, communion supper? Everybody who is part of the church. Everybody who is, who is a disciple of Christ. I ask pastor to remind us what the... Uh, Communion Supper means. Okay. The Communion Supper, instituted by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, is a sacrament which proclaims his life, his sufferings, his sacrificial death and resurrection. And the hope of his coming again, it shows forth the Lord's death until his return. The Supper is a means of grace in which Christ is present by the Spirit. It is to be received in reverent appreciation and gratefulness for the work of Christ. All those who are truly repentant, forsaking their sins and believing in Christ for salvation, are invited to participate in the death and resurrection of Christ. We come to the table that we may be renewed in life, salvation, and be made one by the Spirit. In unity with the church, we confess our faith. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ is coming again. Let us pray. 
Lord, we come to you on these tab at this table. We come asking, Lord, that these elements be consecrated to their purpose. That the bread will remind us of the body of Christ, the juice of his blood that was shed for us. So, Lord, let us now say together that prayer which you taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Pastor. Can you stand, please? Can you stand? Dear brothers and sisters, the body of our Lord Jesus Christ broken for you, preserve you blameless unto the everlasting life. Eat this and remember that Christ died for you and be thankful. The blood of our Lord Jesus Christ set for you, preserve you blameless unto everlasting life. Drink this in remembrance that Christ died for you and be thankful. Before we depart from this place, I want to remind you that uh, offering plates are in the back and we'll be um, ready to receive your tithes and offerings for this day. Um, and if you're with us online, you can go to our website and, and make a secure contribution there. So let us be dismissed from this place and